Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor of Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of ComicsBeat.com. And you can check us out on social media at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Well, it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, the year in review. Um, the trends, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, the stuff that moved us. The stuff we're happy to leave behind. Um, and the stuff we actually remember a year later. And the stuff we <laughs> yeah. remember from 2016. Um, we're going to look at uh, a bunch of broad categories. I'm sure there's going to be overlap. Publishing, retail, festivals and conventions, controversies. We'll, we'll talk about some happy stuff, and then we'll take a look ahead to 2017. So w- let's start with the publishing category. What, what, what We're going to go around, and, and we'll see what we'll all pull out, what we think the biggest stories are. Uh, of the the last year happened to be well i think the biggest story of the year was unquestionably rebirth um you know we started the year in a bit of a slump for comic sales and uh at the time that the comics pro meeting was held last february uh people were very worried uh dcu had failed miserably dc Mm. had just used uh moved to the west coast and they were in the doldrums and there was a lot of doubt about what was going to happen and then suddenly riding to the rescue came rebirth uh like a bolt from the blue like a dawn breaking <laughs> and then rebirth came right into the rescue and like a uh you know glorious dawn uh everything was okay again or like uh, a superhero yep like a superhero and in this case the superhero was jeff johns uh you know kate and i had our own personal we, audience with jeff we, johns we did it yeah. was i it was quite a moment uh yeah. i i got this i was talking to heidi and she was like oh i was talking to jeff johns the other day and like he really wants to like See you and th- see what you think about rebirth. And yeah. I was like, "What? Yeah, no, that, Jeff that did, was Jeff, quite an experience." Jeff did sort that of arrive memorable. like a superhero in our own lives, and uh, you know, I, last we saw him, he was walking off to be on the Jimmy Kimmel show, <laughs> 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 literally. <laughs> and um, I, I also had the the good fortune, actually, of um, hearing the uh, Meet the Publishers panel at um, at New York Comic Con. And yes, believe me, the fans turned out. To lavish praise on the deal and Jim Lee for Rebirth. I mean, people yeah. are lining up to sing their praises. Yeah, and retailers uh, and retailers. You know, of course. I mean, that's really where it was a huge thing. Now, one of the one of the key parts of Rebirth was not only that it took it back to a pre New Fifty Two continuity, but the books double shipped. And, you know, that's led to a little bit of controversy here at the end of the year, which we can get to when we talk a little bit more about retail. But, uh, you know, retailers loved it. And instantly sales went from zero back to plus one. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't just a marketing gimmick. Um, we actually talked with Jeff Johns about it. And then when I looked at the comics, they kind of bore out what he said, that um, that they DC actually took the time to sit down, look at the history of these characters, look talk about what people liked about them and like try to write books that were tailored to what people liked about the characters and surprisingly it led to sales success yes it did and good books yeah good and books. and you and kate you have been um a continued fan of rebirth correct 
I oh, am a continued more, fan more of Rebirth. There are a couple books that I wasn't hot on, but I mean, that's that's life. Once you get past one or two issues of confusion, uh, it, everything goes back to normal. And it keeps all the things that happened in New 52 and then just has all the things that happened before New 52 have also happened. Um, <laughs> magic, how comics yeah, can do that. Well, you know what? That is truly the magic of comic books. You know, it was a big comeback for DC. And you know, when it happened, before it happened, there was all this rumors, gossip and everything. And now, I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of rumors and gossip. It's just that, I, you know, it's not as obvious. It's not being played out quite as much. So, um, you know, that was all good. Now, uh, the uh, other store. Oh, yes, another, Kevin. Uh, well, I, I was just going to say, uh, related to, I think, what you're talking about here, although this was really talking about the, the year before, but announced in 2016, the comics market to combine uh, graphic novel and periodical market in North America, over a billion dollars. Right. Um, wow. A record of $350 million uh, in um, graphic novels in the book trade, 185 million graphic novels in the comic shop market, $385 million in sales for periodical comics. Add on the digitals and whatever comes in from newsstand, that's your total um, uh, that's 2015 announced in 2016, but clearly, um, and sales in it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are. Right. Well, I mean, so I far think the numbers look going ahead. Well, the yeah. numbers do, but I mean, it's, I was just about to say that, uh, over cross town, well, not cross town, not cross country at Marvel, it was kind of the exact yeah, opposite of DC's. Problems, you know, at the beginning yeah. of the year, everything mm. was fine. You know, uh, Secret Wars had wrapped up, everything was going great. Uh, Civil War was on the way. Civil War Two, pardon me. And uh, now at the end of the year, you know, Marvel now, which is their, you know, periodic rebirth. In fact, it's the second time they've done Marvel now. They just keep re- re- reusing these names. Uh, it has a lot of retailer doubt. And yeah. again, once again, retailers don't feel all that confident in it. And um, so we're seeing kind of a softening of the market. I mean, I think the numbers that you talked about for 2015 are amazing. And they come in spite of mm. DC having a crappy year. Yeah, having a crappy year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, graphic novels uh. Uh, and um, you know other publishers picked up. So uh, you know we saw the year start down, uh, get really strong in the middle, and then towards the end it slowed down again. But it's going to be net up about 1%, okay? Which is so good. It, which is better than not being up 1%. But, and, it's, but it's flat. Let's face it, it's flat. And, it, and just to add in about... Um, um, DC sales, uh, one of the things that came out in San Diego at the press conferences we attended was just the importance of the book trade. Yes. Uh, oh, that, yeah. that they pointed out that as well as the periodicals were doing in the direct market, uh, uh, book collections were doing even better. Right. So, um, uh, and they're really rolling out a marketing plan for and they, the, the rebirth and, uh, collections and coming And they had a, a shakeup also yeah. at uh, DC Marketing where uh, a couple people left and John Cunningham, who has really oh, been yeah. a big architect yeah, right, of that for right. quite a while, ha- was put in charge of yeah. it. So that's also a big change. Yes. Uh, well, what I was going to say is that um, it'll be interesting to see what the sales numbers are after the Christmas sales come in because a lot of the reports say that this is one of uh, the strongest Christmas sales years in a while. Um, and so all those period, no, not periodical, all those, um, book market comics, those graphic novels, like we'll see how they sell and we'll see how that affects the bottom line for the year. Yes. Um, and, and, um, you know, I would not be surprised if Rebirth is retroactively helping DC's backlist sales because for the, the five years of new 52, they're saying none of that stuff happened pretend it never happened and that had to have hurt sales whereas yes. now it's 
relevant again. <laughs> so uh, air quotes were used. <laughs> yes, yes. Air quotes were used. Um, and uh, I do wonder if that will help sales. Yeah. We'll see. For sure. Uh, it, you know, if I may, the segue to another big story yes. uh, of 2016, uh, the restructuring. I mean, it's kind of uh, related in some ways. The restructuring, obviously, of uh, Vertigo, uh, Shelley Bond leaving, mm-hmm. um, and uh, also related the launch of a new imprint there uh, in a year when there were several new imprints launched well, around comics publishing. Well, I think DC really you know, didn't know what to do with their imprints and, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because of all the sales problems. And, you know, we talked about this a lot of the time. You know, Vertigo just uh, seemed to have run its course, unfortunately. And so instead, DC has decided to have this kind of series of mini celebrity-driven lines, yeah. you know, with Gerard Way taking over Young Animal, which yeah. has been a huge success, yeah, by the way, interesting. so far. Yeah, although it's now not shipping on time. And in 2017, yeah. we'll see uh, the return of Wildstorm under Warren Ellis. That's right. So, oh, yeah. right. That's right. Well, yeah. I... I think they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think that these are only mini lines until they're not. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> um, and if they never get very big, DC will just be like, oh, that was always the plan. Mm-hmm. But if they're wild successes, then they'll build on yes, that. Yes, uh, you know, and I, the Hanna-Barbera line is I'm another one. I'm curious how that's, that's doing because well, the, they're the, imaginative. Well, the books have launched at yeah. a uh, much higher rate than anyone would ever thought. Uh-huh. And, um, they made a big push for did. wacky races. They I was did. just like, but why? Well, they made a big push for all the first really, four yeah, titles. Yeah. You know, I they, can't. I don't think they made a bigger push for any one title. You know, than and, another. And it's and they're really imaginative, different across the board in some ways. I mean, no. you certainly wouldn't expect to see sort of naturalistic treatments of Hanna Barbera titles. Nor yeah. would you expect to see Scooby Doo Apocalypse. And yet, there you go. And yet, yeah. yeah. Well, strangely um, addictive that book. Uh well, like I said, um, there were a number of imprints launched. Uh, I do think this is like showing just continuing growth in the book trade. Mm-hmm. Um, IDW uh, launched um, and kind of an interesting um, uh, imprint. It's alive. Drew Ford, after uh, the time he spent at Dover, launched a um, basically a reprint line where every title is funded by Kickstarter. Uh, I kind of think Kickstarters is another uh, big story because they they announced they had um, raised over a hundred million dollars in publishing since their their launch this year. Uh, but there's also Gallery Thirteen, the graphic novel line at Simon and Schuster, Charms at Papercut. Um, I mentioned Insight uh, Comics, a part of Insight Editions, the uh, illustrated book publisher, of course, Young Animal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think what uh, like a, a, several of those haven't even debuted yet, actually. No. Mm. So I think the announcement of them is kind of an interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, we talked quite a bit about this during the year, but you know, there's a lot of these new kind of periodical publishers like AfterShock, yes. you know, re- revamped Lion Forge, um, Z2, um, you know, even Valiant's kind of re- yeah. revamping what mm-hmm. they're doing. So uh, you know, there was a lot more. There was a lot of liveliness in in the the pure old periodical market. Yes, and I didn't. I left out Lion Forge actually, yeah. which la- which launched an expanded line of comics. Yeah. On. yeah. Um. One thing actually that just popped into my head that probably should have popped into my head a minute and a half ago is <laughs> um. I wonder if. DC, do you, maybe you know Heidi? If DC's contracts for those celebrity-run lines are any better than their Vertigo line, which is what killed off Vertigo, in my opinion, because you know Vertigo stopped giving such a good deal right. to its creators, exactly. and so they mm. might move to other imprints as well. They might, um, and I'm just wondering if, in order to compete with all these other imprints out there, whether you know Young Animal and the upcoming Wildstorm, if they're going to be giving creators a better deal than Vertigo, no, they're was. not. They're not. 
Oh, well, the, that's a bold <laughs> that's a bold life choice yeah. for them. Well, I mean, you know, they still offer uh, a page rate, which other publishers don't offer. So, mm. you know, a lot of people will take a page rate. And if you look at the people who are working on, like, the Young Animal books, certainly, you know, um, there's not a lot of... A, really well-established writers there. Right. There's more people who are kind of at the beginning stages of their career. And you know what? Uh, at I mean, like a Jody Hauser, for instance, uh, mm, right. who's writing Mother Panic. Uh, yeah. You know what? At the stage in her yeah. career, that's a great move for yeah. her. Yeah. Well, then making, quote-unquote, young animal, maybe as a in some way young creator-focused thing is a smart move because then it looks less like these are the only people who will take our contract for this kind of work and more like, oh, hey, we're young, we're hip. Well, exactly. Well, they might definitely. as well take the advantage <laughs> yeah. of it. Well, exactly. I mean, that's definitely part Absolutely. of it, without a doubt. You know, I mean, there's no question about that. And, yeah. um, you know, but like I said, a lot of people want to make a page oh, yeah. No, it's, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's I mean, not unfair. You know, it's just nothing, that the, yeah. the kind of creators Vertigo used to have uh, left because right, they you, could... Right. They could do better. But I'm saying both Young Animal and Wildstorm and Hanna-Barbera are all company-owned characters. That's true. There are no creator-owned. There oh. are no creator-driven yeah, yeah. properties. Oh, I, I thought there yep. might be some new stuff no. coming. No, they're all bringing back... Um, oh, so, okay. no, so it's not it's not creator-owned. It's not more like, no. you know... And, you know, Vertigo actually has been continuing to do stuff that's creator-driven. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know? Yeah. Now, yeah. none of it's been successful. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, okay, I'm going to be prejudiced and say... Uh, well, none the Hanna-Barbera really stuff, isn't that coming out under Vertigo? No. No. No? What's no. that, DC Universe? No. No, it's just its own, it's own little thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, the uh, the big stories in manga? Is that the manga market's doing very well this the year. The manga's doing very well. And that it has been, it's been creeping back really for a number of years. Uh, certainly this was a big year as well. Uh, we did a story this year uh, called A New Generation of Bestsellers. Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of the retailers were saying that, you know, what what were the books that are going to replace you know um, Naruto obviously, right. uh, and and we have a you know obviously Attack on Titan, One Punch Man, Tokyo Ghoul. So there there there's there stuff. is there's a new stuff. a new critical mass of books that fans are going nuts. Yeah, for. yeah. because and, there were a few slow years where there wasn't. It was like mm. volume twenty seven. of But as things. we've as as we noted in a previous podcast, um, you know the rise of streaming. Uh, video has yeah. been a huge help to to manga. I yeah. mean, you know, not only a Crunchyroll, which has been there right yes. from the start, yeah, yes, good but point. with um, Netflix, you know, you can yeah. watch Attack mm-hmm. on Titan and mm-hmm. all sorts of things on Netflix. And now. now with Netflix downloads, a lot of the titles that you you can download to like play on your iPod or whatever on the subway or something. A lot of them are the anime titles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The anime titles across the board, pretty much all of them can be downloaded. Yeah. And that's definitely been a, that's a big That's help. really been a big help yeah. for a lot of So anim- many teenagers titles. are going to be watching that on their school bus ride every morning. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, actually, Crunch- and Crunchyroll also offers you know quite a bit of uh, mm, a manga, of too, as well as anime. Speaking of uh, Crunchyroll, uh, just so you know, dear listeners, if you're listening to this in the next hmm, week or two, uh, they... Crunchyroll is taking part in a manga humble bundle online, and oh, yeah. uh, for a mere dollar, you get a uh, month of premium Crunchyroll with no ads. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, another trend I think. Uh, you know, this is another thing that we covered in its own story. Uh, was that um, you know mainstream authors going to comics? Uh, you know, we mm-hmm. had Chuck Palahniuk uh, mm-hmm. just this year, Margaret Atwood, William Gibson. Yep. At just the end of the year, R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you know, yes. So and and I'm forgetting like t- I mean that's just you know 
the most literary ones, but uh, there's a gazillion authors who have actually been. Um, you know, Marjorie Liu, of course, is, is yes, you know likes these. Well, she's been in I was going to say she's been a crossover artist for a long time, but you know, still having great success in both of them. Well, and, and furthermore, uh, a character who she put a lot of weight behind and did most of the foundation writing for uh, X twenty three is going to be. Uh, one of the two main characters in the upcoming Wolverine movie. So, you Lone know. Wolf and X-23, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just uh, to jump back to manga for just for a second, uh, certainly one of the uh, the oddest stories, if not the biggest stories in manga, was the... Um, uh, uh, the the Japanese publisher Katakawa taking a fifty one percent stake in um, in Yen Press Hachette's graphic novel and manga line. It's very unusual, um, though. The publishing director says it's the way of the future. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh. It doesn't surprise me at all because one thing, whenever we're talking about you know insider talk about trying to get manga published in the United States. What comes out again and again and again is that uh, Japanese publishers and American publishers don't always talk well to each other. And Japanese publishers like to keep their control of the way things are done. And so they've tried various different things. They've helped found Viz. That was a big thing. Uh, And then Kodansha came here. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, Katakawa's attempt to... Vertical is also kind of a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's owned by Kodansha. You know, Yen Mm -hmm. Press had its own little, uh, you know, helper. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're trying all kinds of different things to both take advantage of American publishing expertise in our own market and still keep some kind of control. Makes perfect sense. I wonder if maybe the uh, Tokyo Pop's ability to come back from the dead has to do with the fact that uh, they were still around in, of all places, Germany. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Germany and France, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, also... Well, the comeback is in North America. Well, I know, but I mean... They're going gangbusters well, and the rest of... But it, what I mean is that, that they're using they their overseas... I mean, if they hadn't had a host trunk, as it were, overseas still surviving, well, would they have been able to come back over a here? A very important fact, which again, I believe we've reported on, mm. is that Tokyo Pop never actually went bankrupt. They just shut down. Yeah, they right. shut down. So, shut down. American so, operations. Right, right, yeah. right. So there was no even. You're absolutely right. Germany remained a viable branch, but it's like you know, it always, it was always there, bubbling under mm-hmm. the surface. Yeah, and and France as well. They, they yeah. talk about France does oh, quite well. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know. Oh, Calvin, I'm sorry. Go on. No, uh, I'm just going to say um, uh, a small but powerful uh, event that happened in 2016 that will play out bigger in the years to come is that the the number of BISAC codes for kids yes, comics absolutely. were increased. Uh, I don't have the exact number, but probably there is about 30 or 40 codes that were added. And these numbers, these codes help retailers, particularly online retailers, sell and get comics. And they, it, it's been a big problem Uh um, most prose fiction has numerous codes. I mean, I think I think kids but, fiction has something like forty three different subcategories under it. So yeah. this is um, this was hailed by retailers. Absolutely. It's going to help people sell comics. So and it'll help. It'll also help break out the sales yes. for yeah. kids graphic novels, which yeah. before yeah. I mean yes. we know the category has seen huge yes. growth, but we haven't really been able to see the numbers on that. And hopefully, this will give us some kind of metrics yes. on just how fast that well, category. Not only is that, but what aspects of the category yes. are doing well. Yes, and yes absolutely. And before uh, you know, before we we move on, I do want to mention uh, probably the tr- 
you know, the, it was it was a it was an up and down year for comics. But I'd say there was a trilogy, a triumvirate, a mm. trinity, a trinity of vast success stories. Uh, which would be, of course, Raina Telgemeier with a new book, which uh, shipped a half a million copies, yes. which is, you know, yeah. huge numbers. Ghost. Um, the great success, uh, continued success of Gene Yang being named yes. ambassador of comics yes. uh, for the Library of Congress. And, of course, March Book 3 yeah. being the very first yeah. graphic novel ever to win a National Book Award. Yes. But, yeah. so these and not were just our, an ambassador, but yes. also... A genius grant. Genius. A genius grant, yes. Yeah, so he had an fellow. incredible year. So these yes. three are, are, are you know, are, um, are leading lights. They're leading the way for graphic novels to a whole, you know, whole new frontiers. I mean, I, I, it's almost like Calvin, I mean, you know, you and I sit here and it's almost like, you know, if we've been sitting here 10 years ago and we started yeah. PW Comics World, oh, 11 years ago, yeah. <laughs> and said um, some controversy there, people, behind the scenes, um, uh, and said, what, are, <laughs> what are our dreams for this category? I would say the things that I just said. Yeah, would you could be, just, yeah, <laughs> everything we said would like, be on the list. Like if yeah. you said we'd be sitting here and say what I just I just said, you'd be yeah. thrilled. We'd be happy. Yes, that so. a comic would win a National Book Award, that all of this stuff that the market would be booming, yes. that, you know, that girls and, and non-whites and everybody would be clamoring and fighting to get their own comics out there. And that some platform mysteriously would show up to help you fund your stuff, no. whether a publisher wanted to publish <laughs> you or not. Nice wish list. No, no. Turns out that's not, it's not a wish anymore. No, not at all. all. Right. Not at all. And uh, um, One last thing. There was a bunch of anniversaries this year that also plays into how big this category has grown. First, second, paper cuts. Fanographics, 40 years. Uh, Kids Comic Con, 10 years up wow. in the Bronx. So, um, happy anniversary. Do uh, you know? I, we did. Do we want to talk a little bit about the impact um, that um, you know? Uh, you know, now you're, this word has become uh, controversy mm. itself. But you know, diversity. Just about. Uh, you know, I feel like Marvel had a year that was kind of yeah. up and down. I mean, Black Panther came out. That's a book we yes. didn't even mention. Uh, Tennessee yeah. Coates, but yeah. it was a huge launch for them. Um, you know, there was controversy. Like, like Marvel would be like, oh, why aren't there any African-American women writing comics? You sure. know? But then they had so many great books that, you know, with Riri Williams, and which yeah. was a success. And yeah. so, uh, and everywhere else in comics, this was really uh, the number yeah. one topic for readers. Girl power. Yes. Uh, DC superhero girls. Yes. I mean, that's without a doubt. Um, diversity across the board of LG, LGT, LGBTQ. I used to be able to say it quickly. Um, uh, I mean, you, you name the issue. Uh, we're in a new era of diversity, of expanded opportunities, of expanded genres in comics, and certainly uh, uh, demand for access and to readers. Yeah, I think a lot of the controversy comes about just because they're growing pains. Because comics have become popular enough and we can break down data through those famous studies online enough that people have started to realize that the way to grow sales is to create books that people other than white uh, 15 to 34 year olds males want to read like other types of books too. And uh, eventually people have woken up to, Hey, maybe I want that money. Um, and but you know people who aren't used to this they're growing pains and I think that's why there's so much controversy here in a way it's a good sign yeah, oh, it's but a, absolutely but I think there was absolutely. but there was also a lot of controversy for both sides that it wasn't happening quickly enough you oh, know of course but very, that's a very, growing pain too very, yes yeah. exactly I mean I think those are very legitimate voices that were crying out and 
Um, you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's like mean, with the, everything in the world. The now. strategy Nothing of like turning classic well. characters into new ethnic backgrounds. I mean, some you know, on the one hand, I thought it was pretty exciting, and I'm happy to see it. On the other hand, there are a lot of people that think, you know, really, is that all you can come up? Where's the new original characters? Right. But as we all know. This is a business that's about selling right. books. Yeah. Right. And well, you got to start somewhere. But well, in a way, I mean, I guess what I was going for with the controversy is, is I can remember being a young teenager and when they came out with the first uh, manga that were uh, gay or lesbian coming out here in the United States, it was like, it didn't matter how crappy it was. Everyone was just like, there is one. There's <laughs> yeah, one. Sure. There's one. No one complained. And so the fact that people can look at a book that is attempts at rest representation but maybe isn't perfect to say hey it's got a problem says that now people feel comfortable enough and have a wide enough array of options that they can actually right. start yeah. to feel critical that's absolutely that's absolutely, absolutely true and absolutely. that's that really is a sign of progress Without well you know speaking of growing sales let's take a look at some of the biggest stories in retailing uh this year and probably the biggest story was uh was a negative one uh with yeah. the uh, bankruptcy of Hastings, mm. the, the third largest book chain. Now, that's a little bit like saying, <laughs> you know, it's the third largest, uh, you know, Dan and Yogurt <laughs> company. But um, yes, but, but it was but the third still, largest. Um, I don't have all the numbers in front of me now. But yeah, it's still, it's uh, it's unsettling. Uh, we see, we're, it's funny, we live ironically in a period where independent bookstores are actually growing and thriving. Mm -hmm. Right. It's national chains or even regional chains that are under enormous pressure from uh, retailers like Amazon. Well, it, it makes sense because uh, what small chains have learned in order to survive in the last 10 or 15 years is that they have to be a value-added experience. Yes. Yeah. That you have to get something out of that experience that you couldn't get from just ordering the book online. Uh, whereas the big retailers, you know, they weren't doing that. Their, their marketing point is that they have a lot of books. But unfortunately, you know, now as more people, for them, now as more people are buying books online, like Amazon has even more books. Right, right. So yeah. you got to have something more yeah. than just a lot of books. Yeah, but it has to be, you know, people still, even though Amazon is amazing, people still want to be in a retail environment right. that is uh, yes. pleasing to them and to, to interact with other humans. Right. Yeah. And so that's where the indie bookstores yes. who have specialized in that, why they're doing right. well. And, you know, uh, one of the biggest stories on the beat this year, one of the top five stories was in the beginning of the year a story about uh, Amalgam uh, I want to say Amalgam Comics oh, in yes. Philadelphia oh, we have to which mention. was o o opened yeah. by uh, a woman whose name I'm forgetting Ariel Ariel Johnson there it came to me amazing yes, very <laughs> and uh, who's you know African American and yes. I mean this story was just like I mean I do think it was like this picture of her just being you know so proud and and confident about opening a comic shop that was just like you yeah. know haters like you know and, and it's a go new, away and, and it was a bakery but it was a bakery a bakery yes. and you know we never got to run a story about her because she was so busy yeah like, like it's a cafe yeah. it's a bakery yes. it's, it's, it's a comic shop it's a small you know it's a specialty bookstore right it's um, it's a it's a great place to go for pop culture stuff yes. uh, it's just as where you were saying Kate uh, independent bookstores have turned themselves into community centers yes yeah and it's this is a place where people want to go they don't want to homogenous uh, people they want to be able to meet other people like that they want to take their kids they want to be able to get they want a, a diversity, great experience and a I, great experience and a diversity of content and i think there's a certain curation process that yes. also comes into it you know i mean it's like when you are wanting 
uh, just, you know, something specific and you know where to go on Amazon. It's great. But, you know, just the other day I was like, oh, I need some new boots. And if you type in purple boots, it takes a long time, you know? Whereas if you go to a store where you know what you really want to look yes, for, you, you find things that you know are going to be in the tastes that you have. And that works for boots and books. Yeah, and there's <laughs> less of a there's less of a conflict of interest uh, between that curation process of these are things we genuinely think you want to buy mm -hmm. uh, in independent bookstores than there is in the big chains. Yes, absolutely. Because the big chains get paid to place things by publishers whether or not that book is actually any good mm -hmm. whereas your local bookstore no one's paying them to place that book they're putting it there because they think you're going to buy it yeah and you know it really is uh the staff picks table you know sure, that sure. is where you find the things that are really yeah. the most interesting and uh that really goes for small retailers as well so you know as we said earlier in the podcast uh 2016 was really like you know shaped like a uh a bell curve uh started slow picked up yeah. really big in the middle and then it's slowing down towards the end um i was told many times that hastings uh, their bankruptcy was known. I mean, uh, Diamond lost. How much was it? Uh, what was they it? They owed quite a bit of money to Diamond. Yeah, I think it, was it was like two million. Yeah, dollars. it was, it was a, quite yeah, a bit. several million dollars. Yeah, uh, it was. It uh, was quite. It was into the seven. And it wasn't spread out across uh, other was, distributors mm, because comics distribution is still so largely right. through Diamond. Well, yes, but I, I, I mean, Hastings had a lot of creditors. Diamond I know, but I meant, I meant, in, I meant in the Diamond comics was world. one of their largest creditors, yeah. though. Let's be fair about that. And. I was told many, many times that they could see it coming, that they yeah. had taken, uh, you know, taken precautions so that it wouldn't be a disaster. However, as another friend told me, you know, do the math. If you lose some accounts, you're losing money. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if so, you lose yeah. $2 million, you lose $2 million. Yes, exactly. And well, you don't just go out well, and find be, it sitting in a bag of donuts. Let's on the be street. for real. People, are, New York trade book houses are concerned about Barnes & Noble as well. Oh, now, yes. Barnes & Noble is... It, it, by no means is going away, but uh, it, it's embattled. Let's yes, put it, it that yes, way. Yes, it is. And when we're sitting here a year from now, we could be talking about you know how we're living in this period of nuclear winter with no health care <laughs> and in ho yes, you know yes. in tiny hovels where we live on scraps of food. And it's you sad know. how Barnes and Noble went away as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we won't have to report that. Hopefully and we I will won't say that, that. <laughs> there must be something right with the independent bookstore market because even Amazon.com is opening up physical stores. So. On that note, on uh, that note, another big retail story uh, in 2016: IDW moving its distribution, its book distribution, to Penguin Random House Publisher Services, uh, following people like Dark Horse, uh, to really the kind of gold standard in book distribution. People love to be with Random House. They have great services. They have an, an endless number of accounts. Uh, and there's not too many comics publishers to get over there that aren't happy with them. No. And, you know, Diamond is sort of in a weird spot. Uh, they have left with a very few. You know, if Image left Diamond, um, that would be very, very bad. Yes. Because they are their only large account that is left there. But I would imagine because that. of that, they get highly tailored, well, you'd customized think. service. Well, you'd think. You'd hope. Which you better hope so. You would hope. But anyway. then you might have thought that IDW got very tailored coverage because yeah, they were their only too. other uh, account. Um, so anyway. Two yeah. other, one other thing to mention is that uh, Amazon did launch Comixology uh, 
unlimited yes, uh, which was a not subscription so service not terribly unlimited which is more like comicsology t- taste test yeah yes that's more it's comicsology sampler yes yeah um, all independence <laughs> no marvel or dc uh no plans only a few books and books come and go as on any. netflix uh yeah, yeah um uh, uh, uh Call darn it. Um, you know okay. what? Just because we were just talking about Image, I do want to say that their trade program, of course, led by Walking Dead, um, yes. a juggernaut. But it was huge this year. Oh, um, yes. You know, Brian K. Vaughn, also a juggernaut. Saga mm-hmm. continues to sell, joined by Paper Girls. But yes. they have so many other books that sell really well. Wicked and the Divine, uh, Monstrous. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is, as we announced, I think at the beginning of this year, or possibly toward the end of last one, they had a brilliant plan. A brilliant plan that they felt would both A, help with delays in periodical shipping, and B, help promote their trades, where they would bring out one trade's worth of periodicals, and then they would bring out the trade. No periodical that month. Then they'd bring out a trade's worth of periodicals each, you know, once a month, and then the trade. Right. And so if you wanted Wicked and Divine that month, there was no new book. You could get the trade. And, you know, I mean, I think it helped. It definitely did. I and think the it fact, helped. And the trade's being released at a very consumer-friendly mm. $9.999 uh, yeah. uh, price yeah. point was uh, a big help. But, yeah, you know, Image has really, their trade program has really um, has really been yeah. uh, a huge success, continuing success. Uh, and uh, another big story, uh, Image moving to Portland. Yeah, so oh, right. Just like yes, everyone yes. else, just yeah. moving yeah. to Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that does seem to be there. the case. Well, well, you know, I mean, I think part of it is often you never know when a trade's coming out. Mm-hmm. But with Image now, you always know when yeah. the trade's you do. coming out. And uh, criticism for DC and how long they have delayed a lot of their mm-hmm. trades coming out. And, Forever. And, and, which is really weird. Uh, I have no idea why that happened. But, um, you know, there's some gossip that we should uh, hear about. But also, oh, I said one other thing. Uh, just part of the slowdown. Um, you know, uh, DC shipping twice a month at the two ninety nine price point, which everyone says they want. Uh, and at the end of the year, there's been a lot of controversy about that. Mm. Like some people say that because when shops sell it at the lower price point, their profits are lower uh, and that the amount of books they sell doesn't make up for it. Uh, you know, that the profits mm. lower. Others say that makes no difference. I mean, I've had retailers tell me both things. So Maybe different retailers feel please differently. Please these people, they can do. you? <laughs> no, you can't. There is no absolutely They complain bitterly no about when you raise the price and anyone. they complain yes. bitterly when you lower it. Yes. But, well, <laughs> they, they may be, in fact, different people. I mean, that, that could be <laughs> different the case retailers too. That, with that different customers. That certainly can be the case. Well, well, you know, but yeah. I couldn't resist the, the crack. No. Well, you know, um, let's move on here. Yeah. We've got like a um, few minutes to go and a lot yeah. more. Why don't we jump to... Uh, uh, festivals and, yes, and conventions yes, yes. because we spend a fair amount of time at them. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly for I think myself and for the industry in general. Uh, I mean, I got to go to Angolim early in the year this year, but really the the unfortunate side of of a wonderful trip was the blatant <laughs> uh, and vicious sexism that came out of the organizers of the show. Um, uh, that said, uh, it was a great experience. Um, but it certainly focused the attention on who is running this well, show. Well, that's the thing. Like and this, what? <laughs> yeah. Like this year's Angolem, you happened to go to the most eventful Angolem of all, Calvin. Boy. Boy, did you ever. Uh, it was like uh, off the hook. 
Um, yeah, but that just yeah. dominated the whole first month it, of last year. Totally was just the controversy, the uh, stupid comments uh, made. The, Un cretin. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> the Frank around the uh, the uh, the Grand Prix. <laughs> yes. Uh, the all male uh, dominating list. Yes. The revulsion from the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not the, only an all male dominating list, but it was pointed out. The the, oh. the sort of like well who would you have me nominate then well yeah, yeah. well what do you mean there aren't any good women there no, there's, no, the, there's none of the loop the the the, the absurd. Yeah. Uh, statements yeah. that came out of the leadership. Yes. But, um, well, but the publishers apparently in the ensuing months pitched a fit. Uh, there was a new festival director, or, the, or rather the festival director. It's a three-part um, mm. um, st- structure. But the person who actually, the guy who made all the really stupid comments was Frank Bondo, who runs Ninth Art, which right. puts on the festival. Yes. It's like yeah. they're the uh, Freeman expositions yeah, of right. making it happen. Exactly. Uh, whereas Stefan Boudon, I'm probably messing up his name and I apologize, mm-hmm. is uh, the actual festival director who works for the festival itself. And, you know, he's already put changes. The nominating committee is very mixed. It has booksellers, large and small. It uh-huh. has men, it has women, it has different uh, races. It's a very, uh, you know, very uh, in- integrated list. And uh, hopefully this year will be a little more palatable. Yes. And yes. this year we'll have some variety from old French or Belgian men. Yes. I mean, not that we don't <laughs> like old French or Belgian men, just some other things in there too yes. would be and, good. You know, this, the, the Grand, after all that, the Grand Prix winner was the oldest, most Belgianist, most manist of all, Herman. But, uh, you know, yeah. what's, but he's great. So, you know yeah. what? Let him ring out the yeah. or era of the old Belgian And, and I just might mention, during my time there, uh, you know, I was able to do a... Um, a a panel on uh, women in graphic novels at a tough time. It's very tough for women to be on that panel <laughs> yeah. in the wake of this nonsense. But the two women who actually volunteered to do this and who were smart and clear and and I think uh, you know uh, kind of courageous, Clina uh, uh, Leons and Sarah Howell. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were terrific. Uh, they uh, uh, they saved me from being on a panel of men talking about women in graphic novels. Yes. Uh, so just a shout out to them on uh, well, yeah, you on know, uh, uh, just being very terrific and, and really yeah, you, stepping you, you up. You know, you can't sleep on any of this, people, because it just yeah. keeps on happening. So, yeah. um, you know, in other conventions uh, of the year, uh, it was another big year for San Diego. Yeah. Uh, blah, you know, I mean, continued. I, I think here, uh, I mean, there was, um, you know, FlameCon was in its second year. Yes, 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 awesome. yes, the game. Uh, lesbian um, yes. uh, convention uh, um, at a new location really well done yeah um, I mean the, the conventions that we went to were all you know the good ones were all continuing on and mm-hmm. on um, you know some of the ones we don't go to I mean there was definitely some consolidation uh, you know to, again towards the end of the year we heard a lot of rumors about Wizard yes maybe mm-hmm. being in trouble with some of their shows um not surprising to me. No, uh, not surprising to anyone. But, you know, there's definitely been a glut. There's been a glut of crappy cons and uh, that, you know, feature awful nerd liberties and then don't treat the nerd liberties very well. And, um, you know, we're going to see a few of those well, shows. you know, I wonder if this is not a very similar thing in some ways now to what we were talking about uh, with bookstores, mm-hmm. that uh, your local devoted con run by people who actually know comics give you a good experience. Mm-hmm. And there are enough cons that you no longer are desperate enough to just go to any old crappy con that happens to be in your neck of the woods. Right, right. And, uh, you know, this could well be in the controversy section, but... There was a huge story this year just with the explosion of resentment at Comic-Cons against 
uh, the people in Artist Alley who just yes. sell little yeah. crappy Xeroxes of other yeah. people's work. Like they put it through a little Photoshop filter. Yes. That, but it's other people's work. But it's other people's work. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've all seen it. But I will say from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, there was a real crackdown on this at the good shows. Um, you know, last year I went mm. to the New Jersey Comic Expo. There was a few of the print vendors. And this year they were very careful not to allow them. Uh, you know, I'll give a shout out to the artist Buzz. Uh, one name Buzz. Uh, he was really the guy leading the charge on this with mm. a lot of social media postings that got a lot of attention. Yeah, you know, I mean, this could be a topic of a whole show on its own. So you know what? Let's 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 move on. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, where are we now? Uh, well, let's see. How about the year in uh, movies and yeah. uh, okay. and uh-huh. media tie-ins? Well, yeah, so we look over real quick. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd say there was two stories. Well, there's three stories that dominated for me. Uh, number one. The surprising success of Deadpool. Number mm. two, the surprising failure of Batman versus Superman. And number three, <laughs> the absolute, absolute, complete saturation of comic book-based TV shows. You know, it's hard. Like, we were talking about um, the success that DC had with Rebirth, and um, that was a drop in the bucket compared to the massive mm. studio clearing uh, get that smell out of here. <laughs> Reaction to Batman versus yeah, Superman. Yeah, that seems to be yeah. the case. Although, it, yeah, though it's made his money, hasn't it? Well, yeah. it has, but it's, well, it's, it's the thing is, is they were eight pl- or nine hundred million. Something you know like what? That? Though it did, it did. But, but and as did Suicide Squad, and yet both of them. Yeah, made money. Although but Suicide Squad was even worse than yes. Batman and well, Superman. But, I have to. It, well, Kate, I'm sorry. Well, Go on, Kate. Well, sorry. Okay, I think it's that. They were expecting Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which I still maintain sounds like a law case, um, to be the foundation of their new universe. They were expecting it to bring in even more money than yeah. it oh, made. Yeah. Yeah. They were expecting it to be universally beloved, and it was not beloved. And while it made a lot of money, it didn't make the kind of money they were no, hoping. And they were not. planning. No, you're, you're right. They were building their their financial projections it around it, making a accurate. lot more well, money than it did. You know, once again, um, you know, man on a mission, Jeff Johns. Uh, after the failure of Batman v Superman, at uh, the critical failure, because uh, it didn't make money. However, the opprobrium, the hatred, the gasps of 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 shock at the film were so loud and so appalling that the entire studio was restructured. And uh, with Jeff Johns being put in co-charge of a whole new little studio (laughs) where they'll be able to make movies without a lot of meddling. And at the end of the year, Greg Silverman, who ran Warner Brothers, was actually uh, moved on to spend more time with his, uh, you know, digital adventures. Um, And there was a lot more problems at Warner Brothers Studios than just the DC movies, but uh, they're a big start. Yeah. I think, think, weirdly enough, well... Suicide Squad was in many ways a far stupider movie. Yes. Um, it's true. Its reaction was closer to what they were looking for. Because it there was still there was a lot of love and goodwill for the Harley Quinn character. Yes, sure. People yeah. were like, it was really dumb, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And they didn't spend the kind of money 
making Suicide Squad that they spent making Batman v Superman. Although they did have to reshoot a lot of stuff. Right. So that there was some humor in a movie that was called Suicide Squad and featured Harley (laughs) Quinn. Because, you know, again, this is something we've beaten to death on this podcast over the year. But, I mean, how do you, like, you know, let's just recreate this in our minds. It's like a whole bunch of people were sitting in a room. So, you know, we're going to make this movie about Batman versus Superman. There must not be any humor or levity in this film it must be the most serious film since schindler's list and uh same thing was said about suicide squad we're gonna have the guy what, what was it he eats his own puke and uh for some reason that was cut out of the movie and yet deadpool yeah, th- did everything but eat his own puke and everyone loved yeah. that well, movie and that's the only, that's the one i didn't see actually so which you I, never saw no, it. it's on hbo now i have to catch it on on hbo, it's on HBO. and uh, but you did you mention the tv you did mention the tv properties and and um, they're doing very well i didn't well. see a lot of them but i did see luke cage and um was completely oh it's just but i mean you, you, i mean it's the year of tv yeah, I mean that's absolutely. all there is. But I mean everywhere Very you went, good. Luke Very Cage, Jessica Jones, and yeah, you know yes, how Jessica many? Jones as well. Kate, how many nights a week can you watch a DV, DC TV show? A lot. <laughs> See, I I uh, I don't even really know what night things are on anymore. That's wonderful. I just sort of go through my free on demand, and I'm like, I feel like Legends of Tomorrow tonight, and then I watch it. Mm. Um, so I don't actually know what nights things are on. I'm but, just like. But how many, I mean, how many hours a week, I mean, is there any way, uh, how uh, many shows do you watch? Yeah. Uh, I would say I watch two regularly and others sporadically. Um, and, uh, but I, mean, I know there's a lot more out there. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, you could literally, there, there have to be at least one for every, one DC live action TV show for every day, night of the week. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, we're got, not even. We've got Gotham. You've got Supergirl. You've got Legends of Tomorrow. You've got Arrow. You've got Flash. Yeah, that's one for every night. And yeah. there's also um, iZombie and yeah. uh, Lucifer. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's and if you're going yeah, if you're going Vertigo, yeah. then yeah, you got one for every night of the week. <laughs> yeah. So it's an embarrassment. Of really, it really, it really is. is. And uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, once again, it's really funny how. DC on TV can do no wrong, or in the movies they can do no right. Whereas Marvel is just the opposite, except on Netflix now, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Agents of Shield yeah. continues to struggle. Yeah, I've kind of it, lost track of uh, with this I was whole an early humans obsession. Early. Yeah. Blah uh, blah. But um. Well, stop so, trying to make Inhumans happen. Yeah, Inhumans yeah. aren't going to happen. That's never going to so stop. Do we want to move over to some of the uh, more controversial? Yeah, I mean, we've well, kind of touched on we've some touched of these on some, issues. Uh, you know, we'll just but touch on a few of them because the, the harassment issue. Well, you know, this was uh, a big year where the name of a harasser at DC Comics was mm-hmm. named, and with Eddie Braganza and some of his misdeeds were outed, and uh, you know, this came fairly early in the year and, and created not- a huge. Backlash, and not just his misdeeds, but DC's response to his misdeeds, which was, well, let's just not give him any female employees in his vicinity. Yes, uh, and um, you know, a lot of people have said, "Why isn't he fired?" And I've said this before, but just to point it out, you know, I and mean, this was brought up again when there was more uh, with the whole Renee, the Liz Ray Dillon situation at at DC, which we, I don't think we've even talked about here. But um, you know, in the state of California. Uh, the bad behavior has already been dealt with. You know, he's been sent to bad employee camp and been through all that, and uh, it's been signed off on. And you know, you can't fire someone after they've already been reprimanded. Yeah. That is actionable. So they they can't. It's all it's settled, people. It's just settled. So you know, that's how it works. Well, I guess it's just you just keep your eye out, 
and uh, make sure he doesn't do it again. Yes. Yes, exactly. But, you know, I think uh, I will say from what I heard that uh, the fact that this was outed and um, the outrage about it did kind of make people a lot more aware of what was happening within DC internally. And I, I, my understanding is a lot of steps have been taken to make sure that there is zero tolerance for this kind of behavior. Good. It's moving moving forward. So it's uh, it's about time. Yes, it it is definitely about time. So I'd say that was the controversy of the year. Uh, Probably the second controversy of the year was Captain America and Hydra for my Don't money. Get me started. Yes, dear, dear, dear <laughs> listeners, you can go back through our archives and you'll find it. Um, and uh, we all, it was a controversy even on more to come. It was. Uh, tempers flared, voices were raised. That's true. That's it's true. all yeah. very exciting for the listener. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Archived for your listening yes. pleasure. Yes. And Let's not have that discussion again. We, yeah, we yeah. would have it again, but I will say that, you know, the story has gone on. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, well, you know, cap, there's a lot more things going on in yeah. the story. And it's a whole big, long storyline that's actually dealing with the whole f- fact that Cap was a Hydra agent. And you know what? With these implanted I memories. and a lot of other people just stopped reading Captain I just America. Pay, I just paid. It's just on. like, you know, it's just like, you know what? If you're going to do that storyline, then I'm not going to read Captain America until you're done with it. Yeah. Because well, yeah. I got no interest in reading it. Well, yeah. there you go. I just passed on that myself. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't read it to begin yeah. with, so. Uh, I did. Well, shall we segue to the happy stuff? Yes. yes. Happy stuff. So, uh, what is it that, like, you know, really pulled your chain this year? I mean, in a good way. Yeah. Okay. So we're, this time, we're not going to be talking about our best of lists because we do that all the time. We're going to talk about things that we personally enjoyed or make us happy. Um, I liked that New York Comic Con. Uh, actually, it did work a little better this year with that offsite thing. I was skeptical, but there was actually the floor was a little less congested. I appreciated that a bunch. It made. Uh, my life is both a fan and an exhibitor easier. Uh, cheers to New York Comic Con. Uh, there were a lot of really great books this year. Um, I would say that Marvel, speaking of tie-ins as we were either uh, earlier, uh, Marvel's Star Wars line continues to be pretty good, even if Poe Dameron has terrible t- pacing. Um, I, I really continue to really love... Wicked and Divine. It's awesome, listeners. Please, please, you know, try it out. I like Bitch Planet, which um, is is amazing, continues to be amazing. And uh, basically, I'm a happy camper, and I really, really like the current Wonder Woman book. A plus. Cool. How about you, Heidi? What's making you happy? Well, I don't read any ongoing comics. Uh, you know, I do pile up my uh, well, then your trades. Comics what trades and, come well, out? Well, I was going to say that actually. <laughs> Um, I tend to let my Brian K. Vaughn comics kind of pile up uh, and then catch up on them. But, uh, you know, like with Paper Girls and do that. So, yeah, I'm definitely a trade waiter. I am totally a trade waiter. 
Um, so among the trades that I read, you know, a lot of the books, uh, I mean, I will say I did, I was, came to it very late, but the vision was just as good as everyone said. Uh, the book was really yeah, brilliant. I, I gotta read it. And I have to say a really, uh, a former, you know, it's edited by a former PW Comics World writer, Will Moss, you know, oh, wow. he left us yeah. to become an editor and he's at very Marvel cool. now. You know what? His office is turning out with his, uh, associate editor, Chris Robinson's turning out a lot of the best books at Marvel. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really cool. happy to see Will doing You have so well. a good eye for talent, We Heidi. do, we do. Well, he wrote a good cover letter. You Very know what? Cool. It's so simple, so many times. Um, uh, so anyway, but the vision is just as good. And, uh, and you know, someone else that I... I, I mean, I just uh, was looking at those stack of books on the shelves here that we have to edit. And, you know, someone who doesn't get enough credit and... Ah, uh, she is quite humble. Is Emma Haley, the publisher of oh, Self Made Hero? Absolutely. You know, couldn't she agree with you more. Has incredible taste. Absolutely. They have never put out a bad book. I mean, really. I absolutely. mean, on beyond not bad. I mean, the level of quality that they put out. You know, they have their art series that's been, you know, it's done. Monk, uh, Gauguin is coming yes. out. Van Gogh. But. Um, Great books, and this year they just killed it with you know Attack of the Honey Buzzard and, and a yeah, bunch Ermina, of yeah, which or, or, a, Ermina. Yeah, Ermina by book Barbara was, Yellen. Yeah, it's amazing. She publishes a lot of female cartoonists. Yes, just um, yes, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, I I just wish she got a little bit more credit because yeah. uh, she she really kind of is betwixt and between. Have you introvert interviewed you, Heidi? Uh, you know, she doesn't come here very much. So uh, she would be somebody. She's but we a bit, ought to set something. She is. Up, we should. She's she a bit really self-effacing. I will and say. having an oh, impact on uh, Skype. And uh, and uh, you know the motherless oven too. Yes, mm -hmm. books right. She just he, has that the guy best. has a new book coming she out. She yeah. has the best yeah. taste. Um. So one other person. Uh. That's sort of like you know, like I said, the vision. Um. The real deal. Uh. You know, Tilly Walden. Good lord. Yes, yes. I mean, well, have you been reading her webcomic? I have. Uh, uh, you know, it's just. What's it called? Uh, it's called uh, the Endless Summer. And, uh, you, you know, the, the book that she put out for, uh, mostly for Avery Hill. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, the hype is really real. Yeah. Like, uh, the hype yeah. is, is real about this girl. And, you know, the latest in a long line of teenage phenomenons. Yeah. Um, for me in 2016, uh, I have to say, uh, probably the best thing about it was I was in the room both times when John Lewis won. When he nice. was when he won the Eisner for March Book Two uh, in July, and when he won the National Book Award for March Book Three uh, in November, uh, and I moment. had the the great fortune to be in the room and to get a chance to talk to him both times. So uh, you know that that was great. Um, I think um, I think what EuropeComics.com, the French Coalition, mm. is doing. Oh, absolutely! I yes, think, absolutely. Um, I've never seen more. Uh, uh, European graphic novels licensed on American lists. I think that's exciting. I think it's good for them. Um, I think the Black Comic Book Festival at the Schomburg Library in Harlem is bursting at the seams. I'm a little fearful that the Schomburg is a great place for it to be, but it may be too small. But it's uh, it's coming up in January, January 13th and 14th. Uh, it's just exploding. Um uh, Book-wise, I mean, there's so many books. I'm not going to go into that. But um, uh, what there was one thing I wanted to mention. And since I can't remember it, I'm just going to leave it at that. But this was just a great year. Um, just um, the more kinds of comics we see in the American market, uh, the growth of comics in the book trade, 
uh, it's just great. So let's, you know what? We have only a few minutes left here. So let's, uh, but let's talk really quickly. I'm sure in our next podcast, we'll be talking more about what 2017 may bring, but, um, you know, what are we looking forward to in 2017? Well, I'm going to admit something shameful. I don't pay much attention to previews. I, I notice books once they start to show up in the news cycle or once I see them on the shelf. So I, I don't know what's coming. The, the world is a beautiful blank slate. Well, Kate, any, pre- any predictions for 2017? Predictions for 2017. Uh, my prediction is that um, indies and non-big two will continue to bring a really great game and uh, continue to shoot up in sales. And that uh, Marvel will need to come up with a really good gimmick or event in order to regain their lost ground. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, books that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think we just did our announcements uh, yes. issue. Did we? We talked about that last time, right? Didn't we? Um, you know what? I'm not sure we well, did. Yeah. You know what? Well, let's save that. We'll save that for like yeah. we'll run down the list. But a I will. Things, I will yeah. mention one book that yeah. I'm looking forward to, even though it's all been reprinted. But uh, you know, Jillian Tamaki has Boundless yes. coming out, which is a collection yes. of her short stories that she's been putting out. You know, she is someone. I keep talking about this book, but she has really become one of the great living cartoonists. Yes, and, I, I agree uh, with that. And you know, as far as predictions or trends, um. I think all right, I make one trend that's really obvious and one that's maybe I'm not as certain of, but just a little gut level feeling. Um, Go with it. I feel that there will be uh we're just it's gonna be a lot of changes in twenty seventeen. There's gonna be a lot of consolidation, everything. I mean obviously the whole country and the whole world is heading for a lot of changes and comics are gonna huh. be part of that. You know, we saw a lot of retail uncertainty in twenty sixteen and we're gonna see that play out more. So I don't say it's going to be a bad year, uh, but I think there's going to be a little bit more struggle than there was. And my other, uh, my my off the wall predictions. I think we might see digital come back in some yeah, kind of new. Yeah, because it declined a little this in 2016. Declined, yeah, and it's just been flat. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been that much interest in it. But I think that we might see some kind of new thing come along. I mean, we saw a little bit of that with Stila, which failed, and Line Webtoon, which is doing really well mm-hmm. uh, as phone comics. But I, 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 you know, we might see some sort of little. I don't yeah. say comeback, but some developments there that are that are uh, intriguing. Yeah. Well, I think all of the trends we've kind of covered. I, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward in 2017 to certain books. Uh, one in particular that I want to mention because it has a peculiar provenance and crazy story to I know it. What you're say. But it's it's a it's a novel called My Favorite, Favorite Thing Things Is Monsters. Monsters. Its publication date has been switched to 2017 because it got caught in this crazy Korean. Um, uh, 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 container ship bankruptcy. So look for Emil Ferris's book. My favorite thing is monsters in 2017. And we have an interview with her in our yes, back archives. In the archive, and you know, um, there are incredible books coming from Tilly Walden, from Kate Beaton. I think that her memoir of working in the oil fields yep. in Canada is coming. Um, uh, it, there's just tremendous stuff. Gabrielle Bell has a new book coming out. So I'm just really psyched to see the new books of 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and one thing coming up that I forgot to mention is I'm very psyched for uh, Valerian and Larling. Yes, oh, good. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's coming to you from the uh, man who brought you The Fifth Element and uh, Adele Blanc-Sec. Um, it's, it's based on a uh, 70s and 80s uh, French 
science fiction comic, which is really amazing. And maybe now Valerian and Laraline fans will uh, stop whining so much about how some of the visuals for Star Wars were stolen from Valerian and Laraline, because now... It'll have its own movie. Yeah, go. that's and so the, the comic is awesome. The subject matter is certainly Luke Besson's old wheelhouse, and the trailer looks great. I'm actually super excited, and also um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I yes. can't wait! Oh my god! Oh, on Wonder yeah, Woman! Can't wait! And, and Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. We we have talked at length yeah. about our feelings so, about Wonder Woman. You know, I feel uh, if there's even though I say the business might be a little slow in 2017, I think there's been so many great creators who are continuing to be nurtured in all these different fields, and they just keep putting out great work yeah. and I see no slowdown in that so you know listeners thank you for coming with us through this year I know you had many options for your entertainment <laughs> uh, listening time uh, and thank you for choosing more to come to listen to and um, you know if you like us rate us on iTunes we please always do. say that yes. if you made it this far yeah. and you love us that much please yeah. just go and tell rate us, us what on you iTunes think. and tell us what you think that, that really yeah. helps us feel free to us. even say bad things that's right. yeah just if you don't like it go right that's ahead that's fine you know that's if I, I cough into the mic again just you know call yeah, me out right. go right ahead but you know comment Well, that, that really helps yeah. us but most of all thank you so much for listening absolutely really thank you. Appreciate uh, it. and we'll talk to you again on the other side in 2017 hey and if you see it as us at a convention or at our booth and you listen to our our podcast like talk to us about it. we love to hear from listeners well in 2017 there will be more to come